0: There is a circle of musical friendships at and swirling out from performance music at the University of Scranton. Cheryl Voga, founding director of the program, is at the center of that circle, and she's drawn in so many of her professional friends over the years. Wycliffe Gordon, for example, the award-winning trombonist, composer, arranger, band leader, and educator. hear his arrangement of the All Things Considered theme song every day on NPR. There are a good number of acclaimed musicians from the classical world as well. Mark Kossauer is principal cellist with the Cleveland Orchestra, and he visits the University of Scranton often. And the young student musicians benefit extensively from hearing and working with such first-class musicians. Up until now, these musicians have been guest artists. But as of this month, bassist Philip Kuhn has become a member of the staff. Phil Kuhn is an accomplished and experienced music educator, composer, arranger, author, and he has joined the University of Scranton performance music staff as conductor and co-director. Cheryl Boga and Phil Kuhn have known each other for almost a decade. They were introduced by Joseph Boga, who is Cheryl Boga's son, and Phil Kuhn's friend and colleague. Jonathan Batiste says, Phil Kuhn is a master musician and arranger whose musical abilities are unparalleled in his generation. He's also the greatest person you'll ever meet and is my favorite bass player. We had a chance to speak by phone with Cheryl Boga and Phil Kuhn to meet Phil and to learn about what's in store for the new season.
1: I grew up in a musical family, and I visited the University of Scranton probably 11 years ago as, as a performer with the New York Trumpet Ensemble with Mark Gould, and I'm also a friend of Joe Boga and Kyle Thade and a lot of the guests that come out to Scranton. Uh, I used to live in New York City, so I've been able to interact with a lot of the guests that have come out.
2: Erica, he's he's always very modest about his background, but... Phil was the founding bass player with Jonathan Batiste and Stay Human. He has toured with Wynton Marsalis, Harry Connick Jr. He's played with Tony Bennett. He's recorded with like everybody and their brother. And uh, he comes to us from Snow College in Utah, where he was director of the jazz program. But his touring credentials and performing credentials. And if your listeners watch the Jonathan Batiste Christmas special on CBS, all of those arrangements well, almost all of those arrangements were Phil's work, correct? And so they've heard Phil, they may not know the name. He his bass was the bass you hear for most of the Disney Pixar film Soul. He just uh, he had his trial by fire. We had our two days, we bring our jazz band back early to play during freshman move-in. So it was kind of like for him walking in the door and getting hit by a hurricane you know Um, nobody played all summer and everybody's like well it was it was quite the adventure for him for two days and he didn't run out with his hair on fire yet so i think we're good
0: you're starting right out of the gate in terms of performances
2: actually by the time we get to friday september 2nd in the evening We have performed twice. The first time was we performed Saturday morning for freshman move-in on the Naples patio for two hours while the freshman families were moving their new students here into the dorms. We serenaded them. And then on Friday in the afternoon, before that public concert at night, the chamber choir will be singing for our opening faculty convocation here on campus. And then right after that, is going to be uh, the Matt Moran's Quartet. That's the first guest artist that's here in the Hoolihan McLean Center at 7:30 p.m. Admission is free as always. We do ask that our guests check our website Scranton.edu/music and go to the coming events page in case there are any changes in uh, you know health and safety campus guidelines for guests. But as for right now, the campus is open to guests. And uh, our first event is that night, Friday, September 2nd. And I do want to tell your listeners that they should not be daunted when they see that the building is covered with scaffolding. They can still get in the regular Mulberry Street door, and there's plenty of free parking in all of the lots along the three and 400 block of Madison Avenue here at the university. So Matt Moran's Quartet, Friday, September 2nd, 7.30, free, open to the public. This guy's a friend of Phil's. Phil's the one that booked this one. So I'm going to hand it over to him from this point on.
1: Yeah. Matt is one of my best friends. One of my most longtime friends, at least from my time in New York. We both moved to New York at the same time. We both actually met uh, in our senior years of high school as members of the, the Grammy jazz ensemble, which was an ensemble that was put together by the Grammy foundation. And so we went out to California and spent like a week rehearsing and playing uh, we were both a part of the big band there was there was a couple of different groups that were involved but we were both part of the of the big band section of that and i remember just hearing matt for the first time just being blown away by just the effortlessness of the way that he plays he, he's he's a very very humble guy the type of person that's not going to be out there bragging about himself or talking about himself but you know i, I I I play, I've played a lot with Matt and he was actually one of the original members of the Jonathan Batiste group. There there were several kind of configurations that that John had, and Matt was a member of one of those that was very that was doing a lot of work around 2004, five and six, particularly and afterwards as well. That was we had all moved to New York at the same time, um, and it was actually a quintet. So it was piano, bass, and drums, and then alto sax and tenor sax, and Eddie Barbash was on alto sax, and Matt was on tenor. So it was a little bit unusual to have two saxophones and rhythm section, but with a lot of fun. I, I remember a lot of times, you know, when I would just be so enjoying playing and listening to Matt and talking to him afterwards, and he might be like unhappy about the way he played, but everyone else was like, I can't, I can't believe you feel that way because it sounds so amazing. He just blows you out of the water when you hear him. You almost can't believe it. But Matt is a, a Diodario artist, and he's performed with Michael Buble. He, he tours with Michael Buble, Terence Blanchard, Herbie Hancock, a, a lot of the, the biggest names in music. And he's amazing on all of, the, all of the saxophones, particularly tenor. Tenor, I think, is what he's mainly playing these days, although when I met him, he was mainly playing alto but he's also an amazing soprano sax player. I haven't heard him play Barry, but I'm sure that he could play Amazing Barry as well. Who will be joining him
0: on the second?
1: Um, His brother Luke will will be playing piano, and I'll be actually playing bass with him, and uh, Michael Davis will be playing drums.
0: And Phil, what do you suspect will be on the program? Standards, standards made new, a lot of originals?
1: I would imagine it's probably going to be a mix. Uh, Matt's an incredible writer and he has an album, two recent albums that came out. Uh, one of them is, uh, I think it's called Offering and it got a, a high rating in, in Downbeat. Uh, he also has another album called Aura, A-U-R-A, um, that's available on Bandcamp. But I would imagine that it's probably going to be a, I haven't Talked with him about it, but it's probably going to be a mix of originals and standards. I mean, every time I hear him, I just feel so inspired to to just keep going and explore more music and, and just live. It's it's incredible to hear him. So I'm excited for everybody here to hear him.
0: Cheryl, what does a visit from an extraordinary player like Matt Morantz mean for your students?
2: They get really excited, but it's, it's almost funny. They've become... Like they're so used to having Wycliffe here. They call them up. I'm having trouble with this part. Can you help me? And I'm like, people don't just do that. Stop it. <laughs> it's very cool. And the most interesting part for me to watch when we have it. Now, so Matt is going to do an open rehearsal at 430. So any of the kids in our jazz band, because every artist that comes, there's some kind of educational event. Even if the artist is not playing with student musicians we try to find some way to make it accessible to them above and beyond being in the audience at the concert. So Matt's going to open up his rehearsal so they can watch rehearsing and balancing and you know how professionals get used to the acoustics of a new hall, uh, how they use rehearsal time, all that sort of thing. And whatever kids are available and want to come in to listen, we'll be down here observing that. But the part that's always fascinating for me is watching... Of course, none of our students are majoring in music. We have no major in music. few hundred kids coming through the program every week, and they're from every major across the curriculum. And while our guest artists open musical horizons for them and help them both inspire them and help them get tools to develop their own music making and think really about why they're doing it. But it's a two-way street because, you know, I can't count the number of times. We had an artist come in with tendonitis, and one of the OT kids was, oh, you should change how you're picking up that bass when you're walking in carrying the case. Or, uh, oh, your electronics? Let me see. Let me see the physics of that. Here's how that works. So it's always pretty fascinating to me to watch the exchange Not just to hear the musical exchanges and to watch the kids observe the musical interaction and the music making, but also to watch the interactions when there is no music being made. Because, of course, these students are the ones we're going to count on in the future to support live music, whether it's through serving on boards, donating to presenting organizations you know, sitting on their local school boards or going to the meetings and advocating for arts education and buying tickets. And so, you know, to me, that whole end of them getting to see and watch and figure out what kind of a lifetime, all-consuming commitment it is to be a guest artist really fascinates me and sets them up, I think, for their future engagement and support of the arts, in terms of making it happen,
1: absolutely. I mean, there wouldn't be with, without an audience and a support for the music. There would we would be we would be done.
0: We're hearing Matt Morantz, who will be performing at the University of Scranton to open the formal part of the season for performance music there. That's this Friday, September 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Admission is free. It's at the Houlihan-McLean Centre. And for more information on the web, scranton.edu, scranton.edu slash music. Now, it happens that bassist Philip Kuhn is a longtime friend of Matt Morantz and has invited him to Scranton. And Matt Morantz will be there and open the season and celebrate as well the arrival of bassist Philip Kuhn on campus. Kuhn has joined the University of Scranton performance music staff as conductor and co-director. He is an accomplished and experienced music educator, composer, arranger and author and a favorite of Jonathan Batiste and Cheryl Boga and Philip spoke with us about the arrival of Philip on campus and what that means and what it means to have a performer like Matt Morantz as well on campus. You're invited to join them all and it's this Friday, September 2nd at 7.30 and it's free. At the Houlihan-McLean Centre, plenty of parking, as Cheryl said, and don't be daunted by the scaffolding. For more information on the web, scranton.edu slash music, scranton.edu slash music.